0: So now I'm going to invite Van up, our lead pastor, and he's going to tell us one more announcement.
1: Thanks, Amanda. <clears throat> I just want to say this first. If first service worship was any indication of what's going to happen this service, uh, there's going to be a mushroom cloud over this place by the end of the day. And uh, just God's presence is here. And you know, coming into his presence is really coming into his love. And when we experience his presence, we 're experiencing his love, and along with that, his power to heal and to free and uh, it 's such a such a wonderful thing to be able to come together and to come into god 's presence like we do All right, so uh, to set up what i 'm going to announce right now, I want to share this that over the years, we have been really blessed as a church body by speakers that were kind of like serendipitous speakers. They, they were already in town, or someone else was having them come in, and they had some free time, and we had them come here. Uh, that started while we were still in the YMCA with a speaker named Mark Stibby, who came and deposited something in the heart of our church. And uh, we, we had a, a healing evangelist named Ian Andrews in, in the same way, and Chad Dedman and Ben Fitzgerald and Teresa Dedman. These were all uh, just things that dropped into our laps as far as, as having them here as speakers. In addition to that, we've had other wonderful speakers that we brought in, like Bob Hazlett and Mark Marks and Shampa Rice and Robbie Dawkins, who uh, feels kind of like this is home to him, and, and I feel like he's just part of us and has had such an impact on us. But uh, we had something this past week drop into our laps, and there's a man coming into town because he heard about the young adult house group movement here, and he wanted to visit it. And his name is Georgian Banov. And so next Sunday we're going to have Georgian Banov here at this church. And uh, and man, we th- we were asked, "Do you want him for the weekend?" Well, of course we do. And um, uh, he, he he is a, a man that. Well, let me just tell you about him, okay? <laughs> Uh, he grew up in Eastern Europe under a communist rule. Uh, you weren't allowed to listen to rock stations in communist bloc countries, but he did that. You know, like they had Western stations the broadcast in, and he heard the Beatles back in the '60s, and he loved rock music, the Beatles style of rock music. So he started a rock band in Bulgaria. And which was against against the uh, wishes of the communist rulers at that time. But in the mid-60s, his rock band became um, famous throughout the nation. And so, there wasn't a whole lot they could do against him then. But uh, he, he sang music. At that time, he wasn't saved. He sang music that was like protest music against the oppression and things like that. In the late 60s, he escaped from Bulgaria. Not an easy thing to do to uh, pass through the Iron Curtain and come into the West in those days, but he did it, came to the United States, ended up in Florida or in California during the era of the Jesus Movement. If you're familiar with that, um, anybody here remember, actually remember the Jesus Movement? Okay, hands up all over the place here. That is awesome. I remember it too. For those of you that don't know, it was a, a revival that swept across our country in the late 60s and 70s, they had a profound impact on college campuses and high school campuses, as well as just the whole young adult arena. It, uh, it really impacted our generation in a profound way. But through the Jesus movement, Jesus people movement, um, uh, George and Banov met Jesus in a very dramatic encounter on the top of a mountain. Spending the whole day up there, just, you know, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you're real, I've got to know it. And he actually had a vision of heaven and uh, just just an incredible life-changing experience that he had there. And his biography says that he came down from that and devoured the Bible. And I like that. I like it when I hear someone had a a powerful spiritual experience and they devoured the Bible as a result of it. Because the Bible is like the baseline. It it fills our lives and our hearts and changes our minds the way we think and the way we see. But um, he was a musician. And so George and Banoff was part of the Music Machine Project. Anyone here know the Music Machine? You have kids? okay? Years ago it was... Maybe the very first—I don't know—of of the like children's focused worship kind of cantatas. The the not a cantata, but it was like a, a whole album and a story, and they called it Agape Land. So no one knows about this. Okay, okay. Well, he wrote the song Bullfrogs and Butterflies, and you know it. All right. Well, I'm going to sing it, so you sing it with me, okay? Just the first, first line or two. Okay. It went bullfrogs and butterflies. They both get born again. Come on, bull frogs and butterflies. They both get born again. Well, it goes on and it's, it's a very happy song. Um, he, he won a dove award for that a, a, and a Grammy, but what it tells me is he has a heart for children, which shows up in the fact that he, he currently has orphanages and children rescue centers around the world. But he also has a heart for joy. In fact, uh, people have called him the, the apostle of joy. And, and so there's, there's a deposit of joy that he's gonna leave with us. Now, when I say a deposit, that makes it sound totally like we don't have joy right now. He's gonna come and, and drop it in. Another way to look at that deposit thing is this. Joy is here. And it's been unlocked somewhat, but there are people that come with an anointing and a key that says, okay, let's just throw that door all the way open, all right? And, and so that, that's what's happened with some of these other speakers, and I think that's what's going to happen uh, when Georgian is here next week. So uh, he became a rock, he had a rock band, an evangelist, he traveled the world, saw millions of people saved, um, went back to his home country after the Iron Curtain fell as a hero, And uh, about that time, his marriage was in trouble and his marriage uh, was restored and healed through just a a powerful spirit, Holy Spirit experience that both he and his wife had. And so they bring not only a message and anointing of joy, but a message and an anointing of restoration as well. All right. So that's going to be a big thing that's going to happen next week, restoration. And, um, Man, he's uh, been on TV conferences all over the world. Uh, Georgian and his wife, uh, Winnie, uh, Georgian and his wife, Winnie, both believe that we are on the brink of the greatest revival the world has ever seen. And I, I just gotta tell you, I wanna hang out with people like that, you know? We, we wanna have people like that 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 have that type of faith and, and that, this type of background and experience. So this message of restoration and joy he's going to bring to us next week uh, and whatever else God gives him. He'll be here for the second service. Um, We're not sure he's going to be here for the first service. He might get here for the last part of the first service, but he'll be here for sure for the second service. And we're going to have a special service Sunday evening here at six o'clock. Okay, so everybody, plan to come to that Sunday evening at 6 o'clock as well as in the morning, okay? So that's next Sunday, March 12th, George and Banoff right here. And uh, have a lot of anticipation for everything God's going to do through having him here. All right, I'm going to introduce our speaker this morning, Dave King. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Oh, Dave, 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 deserves that. You know, he, he's a, he's a man of depth. Uh, he's a, a man who understands the things of the Holy Spirit in a real profound way. Um, uh, you know, one of the, one of the gifts Dave has brought to our church is just blessing the staff. I mean, his presence here has unified our staff. Uh, we feel loved by Dave. We feel loved by God and we love each other. And and he's brought that to the whole church body here. I think in the last four years, he's been on staff here, and that's going to continue. So uh, let's welcome Dave again with a big cheer. (laughs) Ah,
0: Thank you. Good morning. Don't you just feel so happy after singing that song with bullfrogs and butterflies? You know, it makes me think of springtime springtime and it's time for gardening, so I want to see a show of hands. How many are gardeners out there? Okay, how many prefer flower gardening? A few flower gardeners. Vegetable gardeners? Yeah, I, I love the idea of gardening. You know, I, I, I love looking at the flowers as they're coming up and I certainly love to eat the vegetables as they're growing up. But I'm thinking that gardening is really a lot of work, isn't it? I mean, it's just, I mean no. So, there is a super gardener out there. I want to meet you afterwards. <laughs> I mean, it takes some effort, though, to clean away the soil with all the debris from winter, to be able to put the fertilizer in and to, to plant the seeds in the ground and just watch them come up. I mean, there's something beautiful about watching a, a garden grow and come together. And the plants just grow as, as it responds to the, the sun and the rain. So, so I, I have a, a theory. And I didn't check with any science teachers ahead of time. So if you're a science teacher, happy to, to be corrected on this. But I'm just curious, in a garden, is a plant active or passive? How many would say it's active? Others would say passive. Well, I think it's, it's active because it responds to the work of the master gardener that has planted it. It responds to the rain and the nutrients and it grows toward those nutrients. And I have this this feeling that God loves gardening too. I mean, think about it. That as we have accepted Jesus Christ, as Jesus came and died on the cross for us and rose again, That opened the way for God, the master gardener, to plant a new seed within our hearts. A new seed, a new nature. See, by Jesus dying on the cross, he cleared away all the old debris of our lives. He's given us a new start as sons and daughters. And as God looks at us, he says, those old things of your old life are destroyed. And he looks at you. And he looks at me and he says, wow, she's beautiful. Wow, he is beautiful. And God says, now that I see your beauty and you can look at your beauty, go and freely respond to all that I have for you. We're in a message series entitled Identity 3D. A year or so ago, we did a message series on identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. But we're going to revisit that series this time, but take it with a more practical bent on how this new identity plays out in day-to-day living. Last week, Van kicked off our series, and I highly recommend the message. For in the message, he makes this great statement. He says, God gives us a new nature, and he leaves us with the responsibility to grow in our understanding of him. And so today, I want to spend some time just looking at ways that we can respond to the Master Gardener. But before we do that, let's pray together. So Lord, we thank you for all that you do in our lives. We just thank you for the joy that you bring to us. Now, Holy Spirit, come and just open our hearts, open our minds. Speak to us. We love you. Amen. Amen. So Jesus gives us a great answer on how we are to respond. It's just to love God with everything we are and everything we have. We're going to read about an incident that's written about by New Testament writers Mark and Matthew. And we're going to focus on Mark's telling of the story. And it records an incident of Jesus debating with the religious leaders of his day. So let's listen to Mark's description. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. There were two religious groups that were harassing Jesus the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in Mark chapter 12, we're reading of an incident that Jesus is encountering both, apparently in the same day. The Pharisees try to trap Jesus in a debate, and he leaves them speechless. Later in the day, the Sadducees want to debate them, and Matthew tells us that he silenced the Pharisees. Loose way of saying, he shut them up. (laughs) You didn't know I could do that, did you? Shut them up. (laughs) Pharisees heard about the arguments because they were constantly arguing with each other. And the Pharisees decided, hey, he's over with the Sadducees right now, so let's send a member of our legal team over to uh, confront him again. So a lawyer went over, and in the middle of this debate, it's kind of quiet because Jesus had just silenced the Pharisees. The lawyer goes up and says, Jesus, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Now, on the surface, this looks like a trap. But it's really not, because as we read the story, we're seeing that this lawyer is very, very close to being captured by the king of overwhelming love so his question is really an honest seeking, an honest desire to know. The question of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now this guy is a lawyer. You would think that by now he would have had it figured out. So is he confused? But to give us a a bigger picture of what's happening is that the religious leaders had ongoing debates with each other of just how many commandments there actually were. Some believe that Moses, who handed down lots of laws, lots of commandments, actually handed down 613 of them. And depending on which teacher or rabbi that you were speaking with, you would get a different story of which is more important. This teacher would say, well, this list is more important and the others are less. And the other ones would say, no, 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 he's wrong. These are more important these are less. And so people were aware of all these discussions and they were just feeling guilty and fearful and confused. Which ones am I supposed to follow? Others would look at the list and say, hey, I'm doing this one really, really well. I I do well. I'm performing well. But their hearts full of pride were separating them from just this friendship with God, this closeness with God. So it's a legitimate question the guy is asking Jesus. Jesus. Which What's right here? So Jesus answers him. And in my paraphrase, he's basically saying, Hey, listen up. Respond to the master gardener. What he actually said was this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting from the Old Testament book, Deuteronomy. And Bible scholar Kenneth Ulmer summarizes some thoughts on this statement. He says, The statement represents the truth that the knowledge of God precedes knowledge of oneself or of others. The statement defines the nature of the relationship that God's people are to have with Him and with each other. And what he's saying is this. God from the very beginning delights in the people who love Him. He loves to be known by us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to hang out as friends. He wants to show us the best way to live our lives. But in turn, as we hang out with him, he shows us something about us, of who we are inside. He shows us something about our strengths, about our abilities. He plants the dreams in our lives He plants creativity that we can express. And he wants us to be able to recognize and enjoy those gifts. See, we are to recognize and celebrate God. And in his presence, he shows us our hearts and says, Look at you. Look what I've placed in you. You know, commandments, as they were originally intended by God were not harsh statements to make us feel guilty or fearful. They were invitations to respond to the fullness of the life that God has for us. The fullness of joy that he has in living out the goodness that he brings. See, Jesus, who is God, knows the intent of the original commandments. So when he answers the lawyer, he says there's two things. Love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, Jesus combines two commandments Deuteronomy six, five and Leviticus nineteen eighteen. He combines those two, and teachers and rabbis of his day, that was something unheard of. They just didn't combine them that way. So Jesus is making a new statement here that this is important, this is a lifestyle. So if Jesus being God says it, it must be a good thing. So how does this incident help us with our spiritual growth? Well, it gives us the goal. The goal of spiritual growth is to grow more in love. And the more we grow in love, the more we reflect the image of God. The more we reflect the life that we were intended to live in the first place. So let's break it down in everyday experiences. I'd like for us to do an exercise together, so take a deep breath and say, I don't have to get up now. (sighs) I may have you raise your hands, but, but I want to do an exercise, and it's an exercise of just kind of checking out what's going on with us, okay? So you ready to do the exercise? It'll help us go deeper. So it asks the question, what makes it hard for me to love God totally? That's where we're going. What makes it tough for me to love God totally with everything I am? So when we read the word commandment in, those, in the verses above, what happened inside of you? Did you notice a reaction? Some of us may not have noticed that. It's like, well, it's commandment. That's a word. But for others of us, just hearing that or reading that or as I'm saying it, there may have been this like, Ugh, I hate that word. It makes me feel sad. It makes me feel Guilty. It makes me feel anxious. If you're having that reaction, you may be having a reaction flowing from your heart, the emotional side of you. How many of you, when I read the word, or said the word, commandment, had almost an instant image of things from your past, of in, maybe if you grew up going to Sunday school or in a church setting or a, a, in a school and as you, that image comes back, you have flashes of a person in mind or people in mind, brings up a quick memory. If that's you, you may be having a reaction that's flowing from your mind or your soul, the mental processing, the decision making side of you. How many of you, when we read the word commandment, felt a tightness in your stomach? or in your back or your shoulders or chest. Or you may be sitting there now feeling, man, I'm just getting tired of him talking about the word commandment already. Move on. (laughs) If that's you, you may be having a reaction that's coming from your strength, the physical side of you. Some of us, as I said, the word commandment may have been experiencing all of those at once. And if that's so, that's normal because that's how God's created us. He's created us as holistic people that each part of us affects another part. I separated them out just so we could talk about them more. See, this exercise is a good example to show us that past experiences, past memories, past things we've been taught, can be pulled forward into the present. And when they're pulled forward into the present, then we're, we're facing a choice. What are we going to do with them? Sometimes when they come forward so fast, we may process. And some of us go to that place wow, that's coming back. I thought that was dealt with. I must be bad. It doesn't mean that we're bad at all. These past experiences do not define who we are, we are righteous sons and daughters. I like what Van said last week in his message. He said, when I have a new nature, there is not a dark part of me that God is displeased with. It's not a dark part of me that God is displeased with. But what it does mean is that when those experiences and memories come into the present, that it's an opportunity to say, God, here these are. Take them, heal me. See, God can take those, even though we're new creations, we're new people, is that those weeds in our lives come forward to try to smother out the fullness of joy that God has for us. So when they come up, we say, God, here they are, pull them out. Free me so I can just grow in who you are. You see, God is into gardening. God is into gardening for the sake of the beauty that He sees in us and that He wants us to see in ourselves. The exercise we just did is intentional because I wanted us, as as a group, to just practice it together because it's helpful in spiritual growth. The exercise is called a self examination, or I like the term self scan. Self scan. It's just a way of noticing what's going on within our heart, soul, mind, and strength. A self scan is not navel gazing. Don't go there. Any of you know what navel gazing is? (laughs) Navel gazing is like, I'm so bad. I can't believe I did that again. I always do the same thing. I'm never going to change. So, navel gazing is just. We start searching for all the things that are wrong with us and then more things keep coming. That's not helpful because what it does is souls in the condemnation. And God says, no, that's not who you are. Right. There's also this self-pity. There's, ah, I'm never going to get past this. No one's ever going to love me. What, what am I going to do? I'm so lonely. So the purpose of doing this self-scan is not to just wallow in the condemnation. The purpose of it is, like, God, here's what's happening with me. I'm feeling really impatient right now. God, what's that about? Just speak to me. Change that. Heal that within me. Help me to grow up in you. You see, self-scanning is an honest way of communicating with God. An honest way of communicating with a God who totally understands us. One of the things we do as we we do this self-scan is that we do come to a place of vulnerability. For some of us, that's been scary because when we've been vulnerable, we've been hurt. And God is saying, I'm a safe place for you. I know you, I know what you've been through, but I'm safe for you. And in that, in that moment, in that moment of closeness, God heals our hearts and makes us stronger and more powerful in him. We get closer to him. So what are some other ways that God has invited us into to respond to him? How can we give everything we are and have to him? Well, one of the ways is to first hear and receive his words differently to hear and receive his words differently. How many of you, as we were talking about commandments being an invitation that God has given us, an invitation that God has given us to step into the fullness of joy that he intends for us to live in? How many of you, when I said that, there was something that in your heart just went, ah, man, that sounds good. That sounds, I've never heard that before. Wow, that's kind of new. See, if that was happening for you, there was a shift in your mind and heart of how you view God. This is an example of seeing God differently with those aspects of our lives. It's what church leaders long ago defined as a spiritual intellect. Spiritual intellect of being able to see God differently and to see ourselves differently. The spiritual intellect grows as we hear and read God's word. Hearing the Bible taught and reading it for ourselves really does strengthen it nourishes that righteous nature within us. Years ago, I heard a Bible teacher say, David, as you, as you approach your Bible reading, approach it as a love letter that God's written to you. And that's been so helpful for me as, as I've read the Bible over the years. like, this is God's love letter to me. How many of us, just thinking of our, of our lives, as that person that, that we love and that loves us, Well, send us a snail mail letter, send us a text, send us a tweet, and it's like, what happens in our hearts? is that we're, at that moment, connected to that other person. We feel close to that other person because we see and hear his or her thoughts. It's the way the Bible can be in our lives. It's God's love letter to us. So this week, try this. Try reading the Bible as if it's God's love letter to you. Try reading a word, and be flexible with this. Try reading a word, and if that word just kind of pops out to you, just kind of think about that word all week. Write it down, and just as you're driving or brushing your teeth, well, be careful driving. Keep your eyes on the road. But just think about that word. Or try reading a chapter or several chapters at once just to hear what God is saying to you in his words of love try thinking about a phrase for example take the phrase that Jesus said to the lawyer you're not far from the kingdom of God, you're not far from the kingdom of God. you are not far from the kingdom of God you are not far from the kingdom of God And just think about that verse. Think about that phrase. What is Jesus saying to you personally in that that verse? How does Jesus look at you as you're reading that verse or thinking about that verse? What does he have to say to you? No other ways to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Include some of the practices we're doing today. Of just being in here together, of just listening and hearing the Bible taught, but the worship that we're doing. Today is communion. We're going to be receiving communion. And as we take that cracker and that juice, just receive it as a gift from God that says, God, I just recognize in this moment that you so freely delight in me and you so welcome me. I please your heart, and I love you. A recognition of all that God wants to pour into us. Just through our giving, we each work at something throughout the week. Whether we're employed outside the home or in the home, we do work. And the fruit of what we do, the fruit of our strength can be given back in celebration to God. It's like, God, in gratitude of all that you've poured into my life, I just give back freely to you now. And just through the singing we do, the raising of our hands or dancing, is that we're outwardly expressing that love that we have for God, because that is how we were created. It's what we were made for. Another thing we could try this week is silence. Silence. Getting away from the noise. Declaring moments in our days and weeks where there's a no media zone. This will help us hear what God is saying to us. Just to quiet our hearts and minds. Do you notice what's in the room right now? Silence. Silence. So God can speak to us in that quiet moment. It's helpful to get away from the media, the devices, because I'm finding out it's bad for our brains. Now, first service, I, I had to make a confession. I hadn't planned to, so I need to make the same confession to each of you, so bear with me. But the movie, Napoleon Dynamite, Anybody remember that one? You're too embarrassed to mention it, so I'll mention it from up here, so we'll be OK. So the movie's crazy movie, but there's one character in there named Kip who sings, "I love technology." Not as much as you can see. I love technology. Pretty good. Yeah. All right, there's one up here. Yeah. No <laughs> Well, some of us really love technology. I personally like technology, but i 'm finding it 's not always good for me because I find that I get really overwhelmed at times there 's an interesting article in September two thousand and thirteen the new yorker it 's a news publication that actually did a study that says that the computer is weakening our brains and and th- Again, this guy is using his computer to, to type on the internet, but he's raising the question. <laughs> presents the ideas that they have become distraction machines that have gone from supporting multiple users with different uh, tasks to help bring things together, but there's been a shift that's happened, and it's supporting multiple desires within us at the same time. So what that's saying is that what it was meant to help several people, now we have internalized it and we're trying to do many tasks at once. And some of the results of that has led to an internal conflict. Uh, trying to fulfill multiple desires at once becomes an opposite of concentration. So what we can do and what the guy is raising is like, well, this is a problem. We should probably do something about the problem, Right. Well, one of the things that we can do to begin to break that that hold in our lives is to take moments of silence. And that can be very brief because some of us are uncomfortable with silence. It's something we grow in because we're so focused. But try this. Go for a walk sometime this week if it's warmer, sunny outside and just leave your phone at home. Or sit by the window and look at the sunrise. Or just look at a tree. Some of you are going to be looking at your gardens, I know, thinking about the work that needs to happen, but just sit there and think, God, this is so beautiful, the creation you've given. Some other things that we can do to love God with everything we are is challenge our beliefs, challenge what we're thinking. Getting some more sleep, eating differently, eating healthy things, Getting some exercise. Yes. <laughs> Giving and receiving love to others. Some of us are freely able to give love to others, but to receive it for ourselves can be kind of tough. Or we'll say, no, thank you, ah, that's okay. But in reality, we are built to re- give and receive love. This past week, I have to admit, was has been a tough one for me to prepare this message. It was a busier than normal week for me, and I was learning some new things on a computer, which was tough. There's a point that I was meeting some some new people, driving a a little more than I do, and traffic was heavy because of some of the icy roads, and so I'm just feeling my body get really tense. And when that happens, I stop breathing a lot. (laughs) Truthfully, think about it. When you're driving and you're clenched, notice you're breathing. Because if you're not breathing well, you're not getting enough oxygen in your be a little confused, so. and I noticed I was doing that with my with my body, and my message routine was just not happening. As the week wore on, I became anxious, and some things just um, I would try to exercise, and some days I would exercise and it helped. Some days I would get quiet and was able to quiet my heart, but other days I couldn't. So I'd crank the radio up. I listened to talk radio sometimes. Why I don't know, but I just do. And so I was just, my mind, and I had it up loud, and it was affecting and pounding. Sometimes I would eat right, and other times I would dig out the cookies. I love Girl Scout cookies and this week, and I was digging out the sour cream. And there came a point toward the end of the week that anxiety started to spill out. And I started to become self critical I can't get this message together, it's gonna be lousy, how am I gonna study? And Friday night, my wife, Sharon, looked at me and said, Dave, stop it. (laughs) She says, you're a great teacher. God is going to lead you in this. God's got this. So can I come and give you a hug and pray for you? So she came over and prayed with me, kissed me on the forehead and said, okay, get back to studying. But that moment in time broke that cycle of negativity that I had gotten into. And on Saturday morning, a friend of mine that normally doesn't text me sent me a text and said, Dave, I'm praying for you for tomorrow, for Sunday morning. And later that night, another person, another friend sent me a text and said, Hey, you hear the voice of God. You've got this. Flow with it. You see, throughout the the week, I was moving in and out of this expression of, of of loving God, but there were some weeds that had grown up that some things from my own past experiences were trying to snuff out the joy. And God used some other people just to pull out those weeds. See, we need people in our lives. Keith Miller, a teacher years ago, said there are two types of people that we tend to run into. There are the balcony people that stand up on the side and cheer for us. Yeah, you can do this. And then there are their basement people, the people that drag us down, that are critical and negative. And he encourages us to find all kinds of balcony people that can encourage us and that we can encourage. It's so important to receive because we grow as we receive love and give love to each other. God the master gardener has planted rightness, correctness in each of us. God has planted value and worth and power in each of us. And his invitation to us today is just continue to respond to his love, continue to respond to his beauty. Because as he looks at us, he says, he sees beauty. We are his sons and daughters. He made us beautiful. Beautiful. And some of us here today really need to hear that word and to receive that those words in to hear God's word differently because we've been so self critical, self depreciating. God says, Let's stop it. Know the truth of who you are. I'm going to invite Amanda to come up, and as she's coming up, we're going to continue our worship. I'd just like to pray for us. So, Lord, thank you so much. Just thank you so much for your love. And I just pray right now that just uh, the words that we've received and, and I've heard, that you would just work those deep within us. As we just enter your presence, just through communion and through uh, singing, that you would speak to us as only you can. We just welcome you to do all that you want to do today in us. In Jesus' name, amen.